This is the Chops Option Podcast powered by Awana. My name is Ross. I am so glad that you're here. And I'm sitting here with Brad Rhodes, who serves as uh, the co-founder of Grace Marriage. Uh, Brad, it is great to get to talk to you. We've already dove in. Uh, listeners, I wish you could hear the uh, first 10 minutes of the show uh, because uh, we've already gotten into a great conversation. Brad, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Um, now, Brad, you and your wife, Marilyn, have a really fascinating story where you guys didn't set out to start a marriage ministry, but it is something that became very evident that this was something that God was asking you to do. I'm always drawn to stories like that because it is a not only an example of faithfulness, that is always something that I think we need to amplify in the church, but I think it's also a great example of what the process of discipleship looks like. You guys had to follow God's calling bit by bit. I want to make sure that people understand what Grace Marriage does and how your ministry operates. So can you let folks know, maybe if this is the first time they're hearing about Grace Marriage, what the scope of your ministry is? What we primarily do is equip local churches with ongoing marriage ministries so that churches equip couples to grow toward thriving and do better and better. It's a proactive wellness approach because what we found once I was ordained pastor of marriage at our church, we did premarital counseling and crisis counseling. It's like, we'll get you ready. And if you hate each other, we'll try to fix you. But, but there was, but it's like I had pastor after pastor say, you know, the only thing I missed in my marriage ministry is the marriage, you know? So, mm-hmm. so I just realized that and as, as a, you know, a bar and a communio study show that 72% of churches, had no marriage ministry and 80% spend not one ministry dollar on marriage. And I thought the decline of the family in our culture, the answer will be the church stepping forward to build up the foundational relationship of the family. So churches need to shepherd and disciple in the marriage space, not just let couples be conformed to a busy, distracted world, then find them places and places. And we don't want our best case to be a functional coexistence. Wow. Well, we are off to a great start. Okay, there's like twelve different things I could, uh, twelve different directions I could go in in just that one answer. I'm I'm going to pick one, which is the proactive approach. I think is one of the things that I find most appealing about your ministry because I think even just in my wife and I's own experience, just in being a part of churches, it is very easy to look at marriage as this. Well, we got to check the box. We got to make sure we do the marriage sermon. We got to make sure we offer the couples retreat that seems to only be populated by church staff and volunteers. Um, And yet you guys have made it a priority to make sure that couples are recognizing the need to be proactive. I know the core of that is through a sort of quarterly, uh, I'm not going to use the word retreat, but sort of a quarterly, um, but you describe the quarterly process. Well, what it is, so... well, I was in business coaching when I was in my life as a civil litigation attorney. So every 90 days, I'd get out of my business and work on the business. Well, I'd been to a bunch of business seminars, legal seminars. They, Frankly, they were kind of like a steroid shot in the rear. I'd get all excited and then I'd just <laughs> slow, I'd quickly revert to previous norm. Sure. But th- this business coaching model was ongoing. So every 90 days, I had to look at how things were going, celebrate wins, deal with issues, put together, put together a plan of growth. And because it was ongoing and proactive, there was a level of accountability and a structure in our business group. So I thought, why wouldn't that work in marriage? What if couples got out of their marriage every 90 days and worked on their marriage? So Ross, like, what if you and your wife said, okay, what's our next, next 90 days going to look like? 
What are some fun things we're going to do? What are we doing great that we can celebrate, praise God for? What are areas of growth that we can work together as a team to grow in? And then your marriage is consistently growing as God intended, as opposed to just settling into a norm you can tolerate. So we tried it in 2012. It worked. We realized that for any investment to work, it has to be ongoing investment. I'm not against conferences or seminars. They can be great. But unless there's some, that's why discipleship and shepherding is a thing, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to just a one shot deal. You know, that's why mm-hmm. Juana doesn't do one conference a year to fix all our kids. You know, <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, an, it's an ongoing ministry platform. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of where I want to bring this connection. You know, when we started this conversation, I told you, I want to make sure this isn't just two guys agreeing with each other for 45 minutes. I agree. And I think anyone who's listening understands to say, hey, being in a healthy marriage is helpful for child discipleship is a pretty redundant and obvious statement. However, one of the things that I think is so critical, not only about your passion about this topic, but about what you've experienced and learned through this, is you able, you're able to articulate why, and you're also able to articulate the difference between what it looks like to be passionate and, and discipleship in marriage and how that relates to kids, as opposed to what so many couples fall into, which isn't the hating each other, to use your words from earlier, but it is this just going through the motions, um, existence, coexistence with each other. What is What have you learned is sort of the difference between those first two groups where couples who are doing this right, who are doing this well, and how that play, how their kids pick up on that versus that coexistence kind of group? Well, the investment growth group, they schedule their life around their marriage, not their marriage around their life. They basically say, look, we are going to have a great marriage and that's going to take spending time together. It's going to take talk and we're going to make space for it. And everybody else is just going to have to deal with that, including our kids. Mm. Now, the coexistent group says, well, if we have time for one another, maybe we'll do something here. If we if we have time at the end of the day, we'll talk. And, and those folks don't ever have time. If they do, they're fatigued leftovers and it's not very attractional. Mm. So what you find is couples that proactively find time for one another, try to grow in Christ together, try to grow. They're the proactive growing group. But the, but the primary group of couples now fall into the other because the busyness and distractive life settles them into like a butler married to a maid, just trying to get everything done, go to bed, get up and do it again. And that's not God's plan. God, God did not, he didn't create us to find a norm we could tolerate. It's to grow closer to him, closer to one another, that he would gain more and more glory through our lives and our marriages. Hmm. So one of the things that I'm fascinated about by that is the human condition is not a fixed data point. And similarly, you know, marriage is about two broken people coming together as you articulate over and over again on your guys' website, on all of your talks, and in in the new book that I want to make sure we talk about before this conversation is over, which people can learn more about in the show notes. So if we are part of this growth group, there are certainly going to be times where we find ourselves in this coexisting group. Is it as simple to say that part of the 90-day if that is a bedrock foundation of how couples operate in a marriage, that's going to help you move from when you have felt yourself sort of backslide, forgive the expression, you're going to then be able to kind of realize, oh, we need to get back into gear here. Is that kind of how it works? You nailed it. I mean, that's, 
we had one of our sessions recently. We, my son decided to need nine screws and a plate in his ankle. My wife oh, yeah. decided to total my car. My wife oh, needed yeah. foot surgery. <laughs> and we did all this. So we did all this. And it just, and Greg's marriage is speeding up. And we were in that functional coexistence state. And we, when we hit our session, we said, okay, God's in control. We're all right. But this isn't how we want to do marriage. We put fun stuff. And then the next, we had the best two months of our marriage the next two months. But we didn't just let ourselves fall. We didn't let us just sucked into the whirlwind of life and let our marriage go stagnant on us. And it just it keeps you working together to create a God glorifying marriage for God's glory, the good of your children and the good of yourselves. Amen. I want to make clear because I think one of the things that I value so much about your guys' perspective is I think we can often wind up creating idols around marriage, Mm -hmm. you know, in the church we've created this uh, this standard that we are supposed to be married which is antithetical to scripture yeah yet there's a word that you put in your ministry of grace marriage mm-hmm. why have you decided to call your ministry grace marriage because i think it speaks to both yeah. where marriage is supposed to be in god's ultimate picture because grace is our only hope I mean, it is. I mean, grace and forgiveness is our only hope for heaven, our only hope for relationship with God, and our only hope for relationships with people. And Scripture says in Romans, sin will have no dominion over you because you're under grace, not law. So sin will have no dominion over a marriage if it's under grace, not law. So if if our marriage is built on my primary posture in marriage is going to give it Maryland grace and forgiveness. Well, I'm a sinner, Christ died for me. Well, Marilyn's a sinner, I'll die for her. Well, I'm a sinner, Marilyn died for me. It works. Mm. But but if it's not based on grace, the human condition, struggles, annoyances, sin, they'll divide you and sin will have mastery control. So unless you get the grace piece, it's a real battle to stay close because there's always this underlying contention that can only be fixed by the grace of Jesus through you offered to others. Mm. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So when I think about those sessions, I would imagine that there's couples who are listening to this who there's a temptation to make them all about their kids, Mm -hmm. right? I have had those moments. My wife and I will often try to sort of just look at our weeks on a Sunday night, kind of on a micro level of what you're describing. And when we get this right, we're talking about each other. We're checking in. We're look, we're looking at our lives, not at our calendars. But when we get this wrong, I love that metaphor. It's a butler and a maid going to bed and waking back up and trying to do it again. Because I've I have young kids, right? I'm in sort of in the butler mm-hmm. and maid phase of life at baseline. How can you structure those sessions so that those sessions and those time together is about marital discipleship? Because I think the thing that is so true about y'all's story and what I've seen in getting more connected to your ministry is that as your marriage is a reflection of your discipleship to Jesus, that creates such a fertile ground for the child discipleship that we talk about every week on this podcast. Yeah, we make for that for that session, the marriage is the star of the show. So you'll list everything you love about your spouse. You'll share with them. You'll share every, you'll plan fun times together with your spouse. You will address communication, physical intimacy. You'll address 
the issues related to marriage and talk about how do we have a marriage that draws people to the gospel, that watches us love one another, and people will know us by our love, and they see us love one another in marriage so creatively, so romantically, in such a way that it's attractional and it draws people to us such that we have an opportunity to share where we get this from. So, so during that time period, it's not like, okay, you know, how many soccer games and soccer practices are we going to go to? In fact, our, our, our biggest challenge, the marriage is such an impact on the kids, but the kids have overtaken the marriage. Mm. I mean, we had one guy from one of our sessions sent an email to his pastor, not going to be able to make it. My four-year-old has a soccer game tomorrow. And his response was, you having a healthy marriage is more important than being at every one of your kids' events. I'll see you in the morning. And I told that pastor, that's discipleship, that's shepherding. And that kid has no idea how good it is for that kid that you're doing that. Because mm-hmm. it's we had five kids. And we've our youngest is 12, oldest is 23. And man, it's been one of the greatest joys of my life. But they're fatiguing. <laughs> they're dominating. They're yeah. better at pulling from than pouring in. They're wonderful. But when you have an amazing marriage, it provides the energy to be a better parent. Mm-hmm. You said something before we started that I want to make sure that people hear while we're recording, which speaks to this idea of being, to use language for you and I, a good dad, but a bad husband. Can you let listeners know what, if someone described that, oh, he's a good dad, but he's not a good husband, what you said in response? Yeah, when I was in the law practice, I did some family law at one time and the couples would come in and like the wife would say, well, he's a great dad. He's just a terrible husband. Or he might say, well, she's a great mom, just a terrible wife. And I'm like, that's kind of mutually exclusive. You you really can't be a terrible husband and a great dad because one of the primary things you do as a dad is show them how to love, love a woman well. Mm. If you're not doing that, you're not modeling that, you're setting your kid up for failure, not success. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. We're talking days now, not months till we kick off the third annual Child Discipleship Forum, September 21st and 22nd in Nashville. West Coast, East Coast, Deep South, up North listeners, you don't need a plane ticket. Register your team now and join us online. We've tailored both days so you'll get a full learning experience and interactive participation with online guests across the country. But if you do live within a few hours of Nashville, you gotta get here. Just hop in the car, bring a friend, or fly solo if you can't coordinate schedules. We've got a few seats left, so register today at childdiscipleshipforum.com. You'll soak in two days with Bible-minded thought leaders, authors, and artists, plus hundreds of ministry leaders to connect with over the challenges and joys of shaping children's faith in this culture. These are the most intentional child discipleship conversations you'll have all year. So don't miss out the 21st and 22nd of this month. Sign up at childdiscipleshipforum.com. So unless you're modeling your primary relationship well, that's not good fathering or mothering. So it speaks to this sort of, you know, again, my oldest is seven and a half. Mm Mm-hmm. And I see, you know, these larger forces at play that the, my kids are growing up into, you know, not only the breakdown of the family, but also 
how easy it is for them to be isolated, how easy mm-hmm. it is for them to be in this uh, screen-dominated culture, um, a lack of nuance culture. And even just in the context of this conversation, the feeling of convicted of how my wife and I have to be this fertile ground for them to grow on, even in ways that I wasn't even thinking about in preparing for this conversation. So thank you just personally for uh, sitting down with me. But one of the things that I think about is there are church leaders who are listening to this, who they may be more invested in the context of their own marriages, or even just in what we're talking about, they may themselves may not be married. And they may know for a fact that the home that their kid, the kids that they are connected to, the kids that they themselves are playing a discipleship role in, are not at all connected to what you and I are talking about. What is the role of well, the language we would use a loving, caring adult who's not mom or dad in the life of a child to help shape this because they can't, they aren't necessarily going to be able to play that role or can they? So make sure I understand your question. So you're talking about somebody that's not married or somebody that's married. Yeah. I, it was a clunky question that I'm going to clean up in editing. So um, I'm going to ask it in a slightly different way. Okay. At Awana, we talk about loving, caring adults, which can mean anybody from a church leader to a coach to a teacher, someone who maybe isn't necessarily mom or dad, but has a discipleship role and investment in the life of a child. And one of the things that this conversation makes me think about is that person might be more invested in their marriage or the concept of what it means to have fertile ground for child discipleship than a child's own mother or father. Mm-hmm. What is the role of that loving, caring adult in what we're talking about and how that child can understand a healthy marriage and ultimately the long-term benefits of it? I was the beneficiary of that. I had an uncle who said, look, we're going to send you to Billy Graham's Cove with just your wife for a weekend, but the condition is we get to watch your kids. Ooh, nice. And then I've had others say, hey, we'd like to watch your kids once every two weeks just so y'all get a break to connect and enjoy one another. So when somebody outside the marriage invests in the marriage and the kids at the same time, and I can't tell you how much that helps the family, the kids getting a great time with wonderful people and they're, they're helping the parents parent. And at the same time, they're getting away to just enjoy one another and be refreshed and grow in their marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the worst things that can happen to a kid is when their parents tell them, hey, I don't love, we don't love each other anymore. We're divorcing. If you can do anything to keep that mom and dad together, I can't tell you what you're doing to that kid because of the family law. When I did family law to watch how challenging divorce is to process for a child. Wow. Now there are, there are circumstances where people come out wonderful from divorced families. I'm not saying that can't happen, but boy, it's a lot tougher to process when your kid's told, Hey, I don't love your mom anymore. And I, I told her I'd love her until death to his part. But I, but I changed my mind. Yeah. I think it's, it's critical to do the, the hard work of discipleship now. I think mm-hmm. we talked about this a little bit so often. And this isn't just a church thing. This is just a thing thing. Mm-hmm. We wait until things are at their limit to try to create investment and try to create uh, stopgap problems to try to create solutions. That's where we tend to put investments. And what you're talking about is investing now before there's challenges, before there's real problems, because that's where we're actually going to see life to the full. Amen. And your kids are going to see the benefit of that. And I think 
I love the language you said too, where you said something to the effect of where you and Marilyn looked at each other and you said, like, this isn't just how we want to do things. And I think so often, like, that's the conversation my wife and I have had. We're like, things have been fine, but we know God is asking us for more. Mm. We know that when my kids are looking at us, like, they're not seeing uh, Hollywood kind of uh, dramatic trauma, but we know that they're seeing. Uh, too often they were seeing complacency or they were seeing something that God was actually asking us for more. So we needed to give more photograph for our kids to see more, to see a better reflection of what Jesus was calling uh, us to, and therefore what he was hopefully calling them to. I want to ask about uh, the book. You know, you guys are coming out with a book and it's actually out as of a few days ago from this conversation, if I remember correctly. That's correct. So tell people about the book. Well, I I think you're right on what you're saying, because I'm fine and we're okay is the actual, that's the best strategy the enemy ever came up with to kill Mm. Magis. Because I'm okay or we're fine is basically we're stagnant, complacent, nothing changing, and we're cool with it. And boy, that's a real dangerous place because we have an enemy prowling around looking for things to destroy it. It is those stagnant marriages that blow up. It's not those growing marriages that blow up. And and crisis isn't that hard to prevent, but it's extremely hard to fix. Mm -hmm. So so that's that's one of the things. But moving to the book, the book, The Grace Marriage, came out May 2nd, and it's it's a lot of what we're talking about. It's grace plus intentionality. It's building your marriage on the foundation of the grace of Jesus so that your, your kids, they when they, they have a grace-filled, peaceful, light atmosphere of home because it's dominated by Jesus. And two, they have two parents that are intentional in loving one another and enjoying one another, Christ and the church, husband and wife, for the glory of God and the benefit of the family. So we really teach people how you build marriage on the foundation of the grace of Jesus and how you intentionally invest in it in such a way that you're growing in closeness, connection, and enjoyment for something much bigger than your own pleasure. It's a great book. I would highly encourage people to check it out. Um, You can learn more about it in the show notes wherever you are listening. Um, The last thing I want to dive into is... You know, you talked a, a lot about how we tend to invest in marriages in this sort of premarital counseling kind of way. And then we invest in marriages in this sort of divorce, um, I'll, I'll use a non-existent term, divorce prevention kind of way. And what I love about what the work that Grace Marriage does and other ministries like your guys, but what I, I'm, so, uh, what, I'm such a fan of what you guys do because you are investing and meeting people where they're at and discipling people where they're at. The work that we do every day on child discipleship requires that slow work of discipleship. Amen. I'm curious how you guys measure the success of what you do and how you hear back from couples who measure the success of what they do. Because I would imagine you have couples who get connected to your ministry in the many ways that that happens, which people can learn more about on the website, who some are probably looking for kind of that quick fix, or some are kind of looking for that ultimate quick turnaround. And you actually have to remind them, this is going to take a minute, but the fruit of all of this work is going to be worth it. How do you walk couples through that? Well, you play the long game. It's like if I'm out of shape and hadn't worked out in three years and go to Planet Fitness for a week and I'm all upset that I'm not in shape, 
Right. That doesn't make any sense. Right. But couples who the, have gotten there probably yeah. want the quick fix. The, you, of course, everybody does. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, quick fixes are easier. Yeah. But but the reality is, if you put the right rhythms in, you build on grace, we consistently spend over time, you grow. You don't always see yourself grow. But over time, you start, you start investing in retirement and you start putting in $100 a month every month. Well, it doesn't seem like your retirement's going, but you do that for 20, 30 years. All of a sudden, wow, that worked. And what we try to teach people is a new way to do marriage, which is a steady investment approach. Now, there are highs and we get a ton of testimonies because when somebody who's okay, they like each other fine, but they're just kind of dominated. They start investing and enjoy one another. They're like, wow, this is a this is amazing. We're we're enjoy we're like talking, we're like doing fun stuff, we're coming together physically more. Man, I love marriage. So so you see couples take off quick when you engage them at a point of stability as opposed to waiting till they're a point of near death. So, so the advantage of what we do, and one of the reasons marriage ministry is so encouraging for our whole team is we just see so many testimonies because it's not that hard to get a couple unstuck, but it's hard to put together broken glass. There's a level that I think people think this work is fragile, right? And I think to a certain extent, it can be. Child discipleship can be very fragile. Marriage ministry can be very fragile especially as we enter into this world where everyone can feel uh, like things are on a hair trigger. Mm-hmm. But when I look at how gospel-centered the work is that y'all do, when I look at the proven um, results of what you guys do, it becomes so easy to see that when you actually do, when you follow the playbook, you're going to get proven results. Yeah. And... It doesn't have to be glass. Sorry, go ahead. No, but you're you're right, and and our longing would be that marriage discipleship and shepherding is just become standard. We've often said that children and youth ministry with no marriage ministry is like a two legged stool that won't stand. We've got to be winning at the home level to be winning at the kid level. So we want people at thriving children's ministries, thriving youth ministries, and thriving marriage ministries. And it'd be normative to participate in all three so you have a functional family ministry that really works. We don't want to just try to overcome home dysfunction through children's, through wonderful children programming and help. We want to build upon that. One of the things that I never considered until preparing for this conversation is what you just described is how connected these should be is anyone making that connection other like other than y'all other than you shouting about it like is anyone trying to make that connection you know unfortunately there's been a separation of marriage and family you know kind of like i saw i saw a talk advertised the complete family ministry children youth parenting (laughs) So so really the integration in the family of marriage prioritization and the fruits amazing. I mean, it's like it is now every time I go a day with Marilyn and our kids with our kids complain, I say, look, I parent you well when I love your mom well. And I said, so I'm and if you ever if you had any idea what it would be like if mom, I didn't get along or ended up divorced, you'd be wanting us to do this. And I want you to do it someday. So my daughter gets married a year ago yesterday and says it's been been the best year of her life 
but she's by God's kindness and grace, somebody showed Marilyn how to do marriage. And now Madeline, the only way she knows how to do it is how we did it. Right. But don't get me wrong. We got problems. We had an argument in the car on the way home from vacation last week, but grace covers it and we're fine today. So right. it's, it's not like a easy breezy deal, but I tell you, there's nothing in life I enjoy more other than Jesus than Marilyn. The Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.